0: Jesus, I crave to know you just to know you will satisfy my soul. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 65. And today I want to share something that I wrote. It was for a men's group at our church. But I feel that, I think I referenced it actually in a previous episode, but I never did actually get time to go to it. But it's a, it's a little writing called Fanning the Fire of Devotion. And I think it's very crucial for the day that we live um, in our lives, and we see it in, in previous generations, This this topic of devotion to God. So before we get started, though, I want to thank you for taking the time to walk with me in this episode. If this is your first time, I welcome you. Uh, if you've been visiting along with me, I, I'm thankful for the time that you are carving out to to hear something that uh, I pray blesses your heart, and uh, I appreciate all those tuning in from other countries. Uh, how God has multiplied the reach of this is just continues to blow me away. So I thank you so today as i said we're going to talk about fanning the fire of devotion now first off it's crucial to define devotion devotion to god is not just doing the right things devotion to god will produce right living but that is a secondary consequence of the devoted heart. The best I know to define devotion to God is a whole heart commitment to valuing God's fellowship, friendship, and fatherhood. I'll say that one more time. The best I know to define devotion to God is a whole heart commitment to valuing God's fellowship his friendship, and his fatherhood. Devotion is an undivided heart. In both a secular and church culture, performance and behavior often measure devotion. We identify ourselves and others based on how well we are doing how well we perform. Let's look at a marriage between a man and a woman. If both people are entirely devoted to one another, how much dysfunction do you think is present? Of course, there will be some opportunities because we all have flesh, but if the commitment to one another is wholehearted in terms of fellowship, friendship, and family, how healthy will the marriage be? When I think about devotion, there are two contrary positions. First, the polar opposite, which can be a word that we find in the Bible called enmity. Now enmity is a fancy word that means hostility. It's not a word that we use much in our day-to-day language. But we see this word used in Genesis 3, 15. When God pronounces judgment against the devil in the garden, He says, God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Remember, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head And you will strike his heel. This encounter is where the dynamic of Satan as the enemy was realized. This word enmity comes from the same Latin root word as enemy. So the first polar opposite position to devotion is enmity, or hostility. The second position, which I consider to be even more dangerous, is apathy and complacency. Now, this position is one that many in the church find themselves in today. Apathy means a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. Complacency is satisfaction with how things are and lacking the interest to improve them. Complacency is absent growth. Now, I believe that desire is what gives devotion legs. Now, remember, we're talking about devotion. But what I'm saying here is that I believe that desire is what puts devotion into action. It gives it legs. It makes it, um, it, it it's put into motion. It takes desire to put devotion into motion. Desire is what fights against apathy and complacency. Desire gives sustainability to devotion. I can remember all the years of my life hot and cold, up and down in my relationship with God. I also remember that when I lived according to the desires of my flesh, it made it impossible to maintain a heart of devotion to God. You see, compromise robbed me of devotion, which made my desire flat and frustrating. I wanted to want the right things. I wanted to desire right more than wrong. There were times I tried very hard to check all the right boxes, read my Bible, pray at the end of the day, repent of sin, go to church I tried to do all the things for a while. It never lasted and was forced, dull, and lacking. It lacked encounter. During those days, I had several moments of intimacy with God in conversation through writing where I would write and He would respond and answer. And this occurred periodically spanning the course of nearly 10 years. Just little moments in time that marked me briefly and for a season. But it lacked steam and I was back to being disinterested. I was back to my old ways of living for my flesh. It was... About 2018, when I had my path-changing experience, I couldn't tell you what the message at church was about, the songs that were sang, but that day, something happened to me that I can only describe as a heart transplant. The first thing that I remember being marked by was a hunger and a thirst to know more of God. You may even call it a curiosity to know him. As I sought him, I began to hear this internal voice that I would, would write a document and reflect on. Now this snowball began to roll downhill and grew larger and larger. Pursuing this, I began to have encounters with the Holy Spirit and began to learn of worship and the intensity and beauty that is available inside of it. Hearing the voice of God in my mind and my heart became a regular occurrence. And I started the journey of seeking to obey God in those moments now keep in mind i am still on that journey even those years ago i have still not arrived i still desire to hear his voice and obey him in the moment i want to be a son of god whom he can speak a thing to and entrust me to in the moment respond to that word That is what I believe we see throughout the Gospels of the ministry of Christ. He only did what the Father said and what the Father showed him to do. How many extra things are we concerned with that go beyond the scope of what God is trying to get us to do in the moment? So I am still on this journey. When I first began to seek God, my intensity became a very troubling dynamic in my marriage which god had salvaged because i had thrown it away numerous times through adultery sexual addictions all these all these things living by the flesh and and so when god transformed my heart it it i became a lot to process And and for my wife, who who this whole time and and that whole time was and is a believer, it still became a topic of many arguments and conflicts, mostly because I tried to to change her into the person that I was becoming. I wanted to manage her and to create her to become who I was becoming. I wanted her to value the same things that I valued, and and because we are two completely different people, um, many times that did not go over well at all. But this became the topic of many arguments and conflicts, and I recall one conversation outside on our porch, alone with God, and I told him that I was worried that she might divorce me because it was getting so intense. Now, I want you to have ears to hear this. It may be hard to process, but when I told him, I'm afraid that she might divorce me because this was getting so intense, he said to me, what does it matter? You are married to me. Now, that can be a hard statement to hear and accept but it's a truth that resounds deep inside of my spirit now that is not to say that god does not value marriage that is not saying that god god cares cares not about whether people remain married no jesus demonstrated that that is in the deepest part of the heart of god when the followers of christ came to him and some of the religious leaders, some of his disciples, and, and they're asking if it's okay to divorce your, your spouse, your wife. And, and Jesus first tells them that um, that was when, when God created man and woman, and the two become one flesh. So no, let no man separate what God has, has created into one and they struggle to hear what he's saying there. So he bl- bluntly spells it out. Look, everyone, if you if you divorce, you, you are uh, committing adultery if you then go and, and remarry. And the same is true of the other. So what God said there in that moment, what does it matter? You are married to me. It's not him saying that It doesn't matter what happens between you and your wife. What he is reminding me, and still I get reminded to this day, first and foremost, I am a bride to Christ. One thousand other issues are resolved by keeping that single truth central to everything you are and everything you do. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 10 says, I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. And m- many times, uh, people who are very much scholars and studiers of, of God's word will see Song of Solomon as just this kind of beau- beautiful poetry. But it, it's so much deeper and parallel to the heart of God and his relationship of, of Christ with his people. He is the groom and we are the bride. If we are, if we are, a follower of Christ if we are his if we belong to him then we can say in that verse song of Solomon 7:10 saying i am my beloved's and his desire is for me this is an echo of something bursting forth out of our hearts and we are declaring it to Jesus and Once that connects to our consciousness, once once it becomes ingrained in our identity, then even something like that one verse can transform how we see God and also transform how we operate and where the place that we flow out of from in our day-to-day life. We can say with confidence that I am my beloved's, I am Christ's. And his desire is for me, so the million dollar question you know we're talking about devotion, fanning the flames of devotion, so the million dollar question, how do I fix broken desire so that it can empower devotion it's It's important to to define the parameters of the question of what are we trying to accomplish here? What am I hoping to portray to you as you've taken time to listen to this? The question then must come, how do I fix broken desire so that it can empower my devotion? See, I asked a question similar to this after my transformation that I experienced. Nearly six months goes by as I explore this question. My question was, what happened to me so that I could tell others how to experience what I experienced? How can I empower others to experience what I experienced? Let me, I'm asking God this, help me to To understand and define so that I can help then send people into that place. For nearly six months, I could not come to an answer. One day, God told me, you can't understand it because you didn't do it. (laughs) You can't understand it because you didn't do it. So, what can I pass on? In terms of wisdom to others who want that same thing. You can't make it happen. Nor are you able to accomplish lasting change. How disarming is that? How insignificant does that make you feel? But what you can do is ask God to give you a new heart, a new mind, new desires, a new cravings, and trust that what you're asking is His will, and He will bring it about. Fix your gaze upon Him. Over time, you become what you behold. That is... That is such a critical statement. Over time, what you become, what you behold. Think about all that you let in through your eyes. In the things that we watch, in the things that we read. You become what you behold. Now, we don't get better at dealing with sin by trying harder that's actually what puts you into this place of futility it's this treadmill of performance this thinking that I'll just try harder and I'll be able to overcome this no you see you're actually you're actually doomed from the beginning when you enter into that mentality because if it were if it were then accomplishable If you could accomplish that type of thing by trying harder, it would then facilitate, promote the mentality, the thinking that I accomplished it. We get better at dealing with sin by surrendering more fully to God's influence in our lives and feeding on the heavenly bread that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, sometimes this type of statement gets confused. Sometimes it gets mis, missed or misperceived. You see, it is critical that we deal with sin. It is critical that that sin be dealt with. But we have to understand that we don't get better at dealing with it by trying harder. We get better at it. We get better at dealing with sin by surrendering more fully to God's influence in our lives. You see, surrendering fully to God is of the utmost importance. What we so commonly do in our Christian lives is we want to offer Him, say, three quarters of our devotion because we want we we either we either like that other quarter there and we don't really want to mess it up and we don't really want to to give it all back to him even though anything that we have was never ours to begin with it's because he gave it to us and and sometimes those parts of us that we cannot surrender to God Sometimes it's because we, th- we think that it's just too dirty to, to put out into the open to him. And like Adam and Eve, we cover ourselves with, with these leaves and try to, try to make ourselves able to approach him more. So sometimes we like that part of us that we don't want to give to him even though it could be completely and utterly against and counter to the nature of God, we want to hold on to it because it may give us a little bit of pleasure. It may give us a little bit of satisfaction. It may you know, spice our lives up a little bit. But it's not until we can surrender fully to God's influence in our lives and then feeding on heavenly bread that is christ and that may may seem like a strange statement feeding on christ and and it, it is somewhat kind of um bible but when we feed on christ he even jesus himself refers to himself as the manna that's come down for he is the bread of life see bread and or more broadly the food that we consume it's nourishment it is our sustenance it is what we need to survive and when we can come into the reality that we are we are taking of him and we are we are ingesting the things of Christ. We are fellowshipping with him. We are taking what is his and ingraining it into who we are. It becomes a part of us. You see, when you eat your food, you then go through this digestive process and the things that you need and require are contained within you and integrated into you. And then what is what is remaining then gets removed. But we have to fix our eyes on the one, Jesus, whose eyes burn like fire. We see this picture of Jesus in Revelation. John saw it. And when we do that, when we fix our eyes on his eyes, then we will burn. We will become, you will, that that burning is this. Is this personification of passion, of desire, of intensity. You will burn and become one who then burns and sets fires for the kingdom of God. This passion, this devotion, this desire. Time at his feet, in nearness and proximity to him, fixing our gaze upon him. This will increase desire, which fixes our devotion. Desire and devotion repairs apathy and complacency. And it invites you on a journey of discovering God in ways that you never imagined possible. It is this place that we must come to, a full surrender of ourselves, taking of him into our our daily need, our necessity, taking him as a necessity for our day-to-day life, fixing our eyes not upon our insufficiency, not upon our failures and our blunders, but rather fixing our gaze upon him, keeping our eyes locked with his eyes. And we will discover that as we do that, We will come into this place of being transformed into the likeness of him. So if you find yourself in a place of apathy, of complacency, of hostility, then partaking of him, making him a part of integrated into your daily need. Surrendering yourself fully, not hiding or holding anything back. Time at his feet, experiencing him, keeping your gaze fixed upon his eyes. This is what repairs those apathy, complacency, hostility. Desire and devotion will be born. And you will begin the process of discovering God in ways that you never imagined possible so i invite you on that journey and i pray that this spoke to your heart and i thank you for taking the time to journey with me and i pray that we will see you on the next one god bless if it means that i'm close to you i would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you in your house, I